Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Mark 11 and 22. Before we read from God's Word, let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this privilege to study Your Word together. And as we study it, we thank You for the Holy Ghost and invite Him to be our teacher and to be our guide, to enlighten us, to instruct us, to teach us, and to lead us according unto Your Holy Word. Father, we believe also that He'll quicken us according to Your Word that we might walk as doers thereof and not hearers only. I thank You for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us free, that our faith would stand not in men's wisdom but in the power of the living God and resurrected Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God, or, as the margin reads, have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith. Every one of us who is a born-again child of God has the God kind of faith. You have the God kind of faith on the inside of you. Well, what kind of faith is that? What did Jesus teach us about that kind of faith? He's not just going to make a blanket statement saying have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God and then not tell us what the faith of God is all about, right? So verse 23 says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, if you look at that carefully, you'll notice this. Paraphrasing, it means this. Whosoever shall say and believe in his heart that what he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Isn't that what Jesus taught? Make note of it if you haven't already. That's called the law of faith. The law of faith. What a man believes in his heart and says with his mouth will come to pass if he believes it and says it. Now, to prove that, of course, we went through many different illustrations right out of the Bible. Not talking about anybody else's personal experience, but just from the Word of God. And in Mark 5, we saw the woman with the issue of blood. And the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years was sick, was nothing better, but rather grew worse spent all that she had, her whole life savings on doctors, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. But then she heard of Jesus, and she came in the press behind and touched His garment, for she said, notice those words, for she said, if I may but touch His clothes, I will be whole. And of course, she went to Him, she touched His garment, and she was made whole, and she found herself healed of that plague. Well, she got what she said, didn't she? And if you study that out in Mark chapter 5, verses 25 through 34, you'll find it to be true. It's there in the Bible. And it's there for our admonition. It's there for us to understand that this is the law of faith. This is how it works. Now, that's what she did. But Jesus himself just got done cursing a fig tree and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Walked his way and did his own thing and came back. And then the next day, it was dead. It was dried up by the root. In other words, the words that he spoke out there were powerful and effective words that got results. And he said, this is the faith of God and this is how it works. If you want to develop something in your life, beloved, worthwhile, this is worth developing, trust me. It is tapping into the very faith of God itself. Now, you go on back to the very beginning and you'll discover that in the beginning God said and it was so. God said and it was so. God said and it was so. And if you read Genesis, the first chapter, you will notice that the Holy Spirit made certain to continue to reiterate those words, and God said, and it was so. 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 You think he's trying to make a point? I believe he was. In other words, what we say is very important. And people are either 
destroyed and defeated or made successful by what they believe in their heart and say with their mouth. And we've been trying to, to illustrate this and let people know that if we want to change what we're having in life, we've got to believe right and speak right. And of course, it all starts with thinking, doesn't it? Our thinking has got to be right. Our believing has got to be right. We've got to start saying the right things so that we can have right in our lives. Now, that's what Jesus taught. And then we showed other examples. David slew Goliath. Someone said with a stone. No, it wasn't with a stone. It was with words. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Didn't he say that? And Goliath said, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to overcome you. I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. But you know what David said? You come at me with a sword and a spear. But I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And the God that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, He is the same God that will deliver me out of your hand. And I will kill you, take off your head, and feed your carcass to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the field. Isn't that what he said? What did David get? Got exactly what he said. And then we share the example of the 12 spies that went to spy out Canaan's land. Ten of the spies came back with an evil report. Two of the spies who saw the same circumstance, the same setting, came back with a report of faith. Ten of those leaders said, we can't do it. We can't take the land. We're not able. They're bigger than us. They're more powerful than us. We can't take the land. Caleb stilled the people and said, don't talk like that. We're well able to take it, for God is on our side. And of course, Joshua and Caleb were about to be stoned by all the people because they had faith in God. Well, it came to pass that the ten spies got what they said. They died in the wilderness. They died by the plague before the Lord. And the Lord said, as you have spoken, so shall it be. Isn't that what he said in Numbers chapter 14? As you have spoken, you said you can't, and now you can't. You said you die, and now you'll die. They got exactly what they believed. They got exactly what they said. They believed in their weaknesses. They believed in their inabilities. Can you see that? Now, if you're going to believe in anything, believe that your God is bigger than your problem. Believe that your God is bigger than your problem. There are many problems in life, but we've got a bigger problem solver. His name is Jesus. And to get a hold of His power and ability in our behalf, all we've got to do is start saying what He said. Start saying what He said about us. And see, God wants to get that across to us. God wants us to put that thought into our hearts and minds and keep it there and start walking in the light of it. Then we had talked about the fact that Jesus is the high priest of our confession in Hebrews 3.1. Jesus, it says, is the high priest of our confession or of what we say. Well, what does that mean? Jesus is at the Father's right hand right now where He ever lives to make intercession for us. He is right there to represent us to the Father. And when we speak out words that agree with the Word of God, Jesus said, I'm going to take that Word to the Father and see to it that it comes to pass. For the Bible says in Jeremiah 1.12 that God hastens His Word to perform it, or God watches over His Word to make it good. Did you know God is watching over His Word to make it good? And then in Hebrews 4 and 14, we are told, Seeing then that we have this great high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, or hold fast to saying what God has said about us. Say what God has said about you. God wants us to learn this principle of faith. Continue to believe in your heart and say with your mouth that you can do what God said you can do. Believe in your heart and say with your mouth that you have what God says you have. Believe in your heart and say with your mouth that you are what God says you are. Amen. Someone says, I'm nothing but a worm in the dust. You believe that in your heart? You say that with your mouth? And you'll go around life with your head hung low. But if you start saying what God said you are, God said you are the righteousness of God in Christ. God says you're an heir of God, a joiner with Jesus, and made more than a conqueror through Him that loves you. Didn't He say that? He said that. Well, what is the average Christian saying about himself today? If you listen to them, they talk defeat. They talk inability. They talk all about their fears. 
and troubles and magnify those fears and troubles above the power of the living God. That's exactly what the spies did. They said the giants are too big for us. Well, David saw the big giant. He was anywhere from 9 to 11 feet tall. He saw the same giant that everybody else saw in Israel. But David had this faith to believe that his God was bigger than the giant. And God wants us to begin the development of spiritual things and truths and principles and laws in our lives so that we can rise up above the mental and physical realm and enter the spiritual realm where His power lies, tap into it by believing in our heart and saying it with our mouth, so that like David, we can bring down the giants, not with stones, but with the words of our mouth. That's what God wants us to do. Now, I know as you teach that in Christian circles, many get upset with you because they think you're teaching mind science or metaphysical religions. But that's, that's not the truth. This is not mind science. It's not mind over matter or anything like that. It is simply aligning yourself with the Word of God and doing exactly what God said to do. I want to show you a scripture that will verify that. Go on with me to the book of Hebrews, if you would, please. In chapter 13... Hebrews in chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, who is he? God. God has said. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm going to read that part again. He has said, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Next verse. So that we may boldly say, I'm afraid. I'm full of fear. Life has dealt me a blow I cannot handle. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm just going around with my head down. I'm defeated. I'm a worm in the dust, and there is no help for me in God. Isn't that what it says there in verse 6? He has said in verse 5, so that we may boldly say, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. So that we may boldly say, the word help means to make an advance towards someone. And when you make that advance, you bring along with yourself everything that person needs to be a success. If you are a worker, a construction worker out there, and you're up on the ladder somewhere and you need a hammer, you call to your helper and say, would you please hand me that hammer? You don't just want him. You want him to bring something to you to help you get the job done. Well, God has said, what? I will never leave you nor forsake you that you may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Did you get that? The Lord is my helper. He's your what? He's your what? The one standing by your side to provide whatever, whatever it is that you need to get the job done. That better sink in a little bit, huh? Who's standing by your side? And what is He doing by your side? He is providing what you need to get the job done. Well, doesn't that make this other Scripture true? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. In other words, He's right there by my side. He's in me, with me, and for me, and right there by my side to provide whatever I need to get the job done. See, but too often... Like the spies, they see the giants in the land and they have no ability to realize that God is right there to help them. But Joshua did and Caleb did. And as a result of their belief and faith in God, they said we're able to do it because God's on our side. In other words, God's our helper. No, we can't fight them with our own muscles. We can't fight them with any weapons that we have. We understand that we're like grasshoppers in their sight, but God is bigger than they are. And God is our helper. And God is our strength. And God is our source. 
God will provide what we need to overcome in every situation of life. Isn't that what they believed? And so as they proclaimed that, praise God, they got what they said. The other ones died in the wilderness, but Joshua and Caleb made it into the promised land because of what they believed and because of what they said. Now, once again, those words that we speak, as long as they are aligned with the Word of God, are powerful words that will come to pass. Not because we have the ability to bring those words to pass, but because God Himself is watching over those words to perform those words. When Jesus spoke to that fig tree and cursed it, those words went out there and the tree dried up by the root. We've got to believe that when we release words out of our mouth from our heart without doubt, no admixture of doubt or unbelief, we speak out those words that harmonize with the Word of God, that God and the government of heaven are standing behind those words to see to it that those words will come to pass. And we illustrated that once again by reading Daniel chapter 3, where we saw three Hebrew children who refused to bow their knee to the image that Nebuchadnezzar built. The false god and image that he raised up, he told all the people to bow down and worship this image. He brought together all the governors, all the rulers, the princes, the sheriffs, all the, the statesmen, all the people of importance, and they were all gathered together as he made this decree and commanded that everybody bow their knee to this Im image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not going to do it. And whoever did not bow their knee would be cast at that hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar told the three Hebrew children, I'll give you one more chance to bow your knee to my image and worship my God. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hand? And the three Hebrew children who knew their God said... Can you imagine that kind of peer pressure? There they were in the midst of all the governors, the rulers, the princes. I mean, all the people of importance, all the dignitaries at that time were gathered together with thousands upon thousands of people. And they were all bowing their knee to the image that the king set up. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. And they said, if it be so that you throw us into the furnace... The God we serve is able, and He will deliver us out of your hand. But if you don't throw us in, we're still not going to bow down and worship any God that you set up. We serve the Most High God. And all He was so angered, He was ablaze with fury. And so He turned up the fire seven times hotter than it was supposed to be. And took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and bound them up. Got two of his, or two or three or, or more of his strongest men. They threw them into the furnace and the flame of the fire was so hot and so far reaching that the, it consumed the soldiers that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace and threw them in. They died, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the furnace. They fell on the floor. And Nebuchadnezzar looked in, and what he saw was this. He said, did we not throw three men in? And all the dignitaries said, yes, you did, king. He said, how come there are four in there, and the fourth one is likened unto the Son of God? He was astonished, the Bible says. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say and believe? They believed in their heart that the God that they did, that they did serve and that they did trust would deliver them out of his hand and out of the burning fiery furnace. And they said he would. With those words that they spoke, I want you to know God was watching over the word they spoke to make it good. They trusted in their God. And as the Bible says, the angel of the Lord was there in that burning fiery furnace and protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego so that the flame of fire had no power over their person. Not one hair on their head was singed, and neither was there any smell of smoke upon them when they came out of that burning, fiery furnace. Beloved, that is an astounding miracle 
But that miracle was based on what those men believed in their heart and said with their mouth. You talk about developing your faith life. They believed beyond what they could see. They believed that the God that they served was well able to deliver them even out of the most difficult situation. And beloved, God wants us to likewise develop our faith and stop saying all the negative things that we say throughout the course of a day and start saying that even though it may look bad, the God that I serve is well able to deliver me out of this problem. And start saying, even though it seems like I'm not going to be able to make it, the God that I serve is well able to put me over and make me a success. God wants us to change the way we think, the way we believe, and the way we speak, and line up with His Word. And start boldly saying these things that He has said about us from His Word. That is called the God kind of faith. And that's the kind of faith that God wants us as His children to begin operating in. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Proverbs in chapter 12. And verse 28. To give you an illustration or an example of how we can begin speaking from the Word of God what God has spoken about us and to get us inspired to begin doing so. I want to point out a verse of Scripture that I hold dear to my heart. And I would say, I don't know how many times a day I say this particular verse of Scripture. But I want to reveal to you or share with you an incident where God made it clear to me that by saying from my heart and with my mouth these verses or this verse of Scripture, miracles were wrought in my life. The verse says in Proverbs 12 and 28, In the way of, the righteous, of righteousness is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. Now, what I have done in my life, I would take that verse of Scripture, and because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, I would just say it this way. In my pathway is life, and there is no death. In my pathway is life, and there is no death. In other words, I would take a hold of the Word of God and begin to make daily confessions of what the Word says about me. You know, the Bible says that God is pleased when we begin speaking right things. Jesus Himself said, when the Son of Man comes back to this earth, will He find faith? Didn't He say that? Will He find faith? Well, what is faith? Believing in your heart and saying with your mouth what God has said about you. That's what faith is all about. Well, this verse is actually saying that in the way of the right, or righteousness, and we are the righteousness of God, in my pathway is life and there is no death. And so I would begin the course of a day by saying, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I am washed in the blood of Jesus, born again, spirit-filled, faith-walking, tongue-talking, love-practicing, living epistle of the living Christ, read and known of all men. I thank God that in my pathway is life and there is no death. I believe that with my heart. I say that with my mouth. In my pathway is life and there is no death. And then among other things, I would include this particular verse of Scripture. And I would just keep saying it and saying it and saying it. It doesn't happen because you say it one time. It has got to be built up inside the human heart. It's got to become a spiritual reality for it to, to take effect and to produce results in this life. But I would say it, and 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 I would say it, until unconsciously, it's just something that you build up on the inside of you. In my pathway is life, and there is no death. I thank God I'm a doer of the Word and blessed in my deeds, and all that I set my hand to do will prosper, and no weapon formed against me will prosper. I speak to every mountain of satanic adversity in my life, and I command it to go. In Jesus' name, it cannot stay. And just keep on saying the word. Say, I quench every fiery dart of the devil with my shield of faith. I take my sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and I overcome all evil with good. In other words, just speaking and spewing out the word of God over and over and over again. You say, but do you always feel like that? No, I don't always feel like that. 
I don't rise up in the morning and in the morning time I just, you know, every single day, you know, you just feel like you're on top of the world. You feel like that every day? I don't feel like that. There are some days I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. And in particular, this morning was about one of those mornings I just didn't want to get out of bed. If you know what I mean. You know, but you can't go by your feelings. You can't go by appearances. You can't go by natural things. We've got to begin looking at spiritual things or supernatural things. And so I would just, you know, in my own way, just start speaking the Word to myself or meditating the Word to myself and including these particular verses of Scripture in my confession of faith. And who watches over the Word to make it good? Jesus does. God Almighty Himself does. He watches over the Word to make it good on our behalf. And so I would say this daily, every single day. Well, one day we're attending a wedding and uh, we're driving down the highway going where we have to go. Parked car on the side of the street because, you know, there's... Cars parked, there's too many cars in the driveway. We're just parking along the side of the street. And as we parked a car along the side of the street, it's just a highway. It was 55 mile an hour. There was a bend there. And, you know, the car's just flying by. And so I had, I, I was t- trying to tell the family to get out on, on one side of the car. And I opened up my side, which was on, of course, the, the side where the cars were going by. But I made certain there were no cars coming. And as I opened up the door to get out, I had one little one in one arm. And Lisa, my daughter, was sitting in the back seat and she pushed that seat up and just jumped out because she saw a friend of hers on the other side of the street. And so as she did that, she just began to to run across the street. She started running across the street. And my goodness, you know, when things happen like this, it's almost like they're in slow motion. Do Do you know what I mean? Do you ever find yourself, if you were in a car accident, that you can actually relive the moments right before the accident, and it seems like it was all in slow motion. It's like things just begin to stop, like on television. It's, it's all of a sudden slow motion. And it seems like the whole thing is about an hour long, when in actuality it's only seconds long. Well, I, out of the corner of one eye, I saw a pickup truck coming around the bend about 55, maybe even 60 mile an hour, going fast around this bend. I saw my daughter jump out of the back seat of the car and start running across the street. And as she began to take her steps, I'm standing here like this. And simultaneously, I have no idea even to this day how this all occurred. I reached back like that. And the only thing I caught was her wrist. And her body's just about out there in the street. I caught her by the wrist this way. And slammed her back, and she came back like this and slammed right against the car. I think she thought I was abusing her. (laughs) And the moment I did slammed her back against the car, the pickup truck went right on by. Without any doubt, she'd have been flatter than a pancake. Because that's how quick it was. That's exactly, she would have been right in the path of that truck because she wasn't looking. She just jumped out and took off running, and I just reached out like that. But you know what, beloved? The moment she came back and hit the car, that still small voice on the inside of me, it wasn't like this. I would say, in my pathway is life and there is no death. That voice inside me said, in your pathway is life and there is no death. And I knew right then, by my confession of faith, that my daughter's life was spared. I knew that. I knew that beyond any shadow of a doubt. See, too often we we take lightly these things. But, beloved, this book is not a history book alone. It is not just a religious book. This is life's roadmap. This is life's instruction. This provides for us all that we need to live this life successfully. God doesn't want us to settle for what we already have. He wants us to rise up to higher heights and deeper depths in these spiritual truths. And as you can see by what I'm saying to you, by speaking forth the Word of God, you begin to enlist and employ the supernatural powers of the government of heaven into your life. And it's not going to be an easy transition for any of us to make. I've been saying that Scripture for years. In my pathway is life and there is no death. In my pathway is life and there is no death. In my pathway is life and there is no death. In my pathway is life and there is no death. And over and over and over and over. You know, my daughter's on her own now. She's got to start making her own confessions of faith for herself. 
But I just want you to see how, you know, it's not by my personal experience alone that I know that that is true. It's everywhere in the Word of God. Everywhere throughout the Bible, you'll find out that what people believe and what people say is what puts them over in this life. I want you to turn with me to the, to the book of Mark, Mark's Gospel, and chapter 7. Jesus said, when I come, will there be faith on the earth? Jesus said, when I come back, are people going to be operating in the realm of faith? Well, how can we operate in something that we know nothing about? And it's sad to say that in, even in many of our churches today, faith is handled the same way the congregations were handling it way back in the days of Joshua and Caleb. They wanted to say that God is on our side and that God is, is able to put us over. And the whole congregation, two million people, wanted to stone them with stones because they dared confess their faith in God. That's a shame, beloved. But you know it's the same today. You start teaching the same truths today that God taught those people way back when. And it's like because it's so, so much different from what people have heard before, they just want to kick it out and say, that's heresy. That's not what the Bible teaches. But yet we got the greatest of all teachers right there who taught saying what? You believe in your heart and say with your mouth, it'll come to pass. As I have cursed the fig tree, you can speak to a mountain and it will be removed from you. In Mark 7 and verse 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit. You know there's no medicine to cast out an unclean spirit? You know what an unclean spirit is? An unclean spirit involves immorality. An unclean spirit is a demon spirit that will enter into the life of a human being and cause them to be unclean sexually, to be immoral. Heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation. In other words, she didn't belong to the, to the nation of Israel, to the Jewish nation. And she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. She is not even of the covenant. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. In other words, you're not of the covenant. You're not a Jew. You don't belong to the nation of Israel. You're not under the blood covenant that God made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And so it's first proper for me to take care of the Jewish people at this time. It's not yours. Well, she answered and said. I want you to notice she said. What she said was her faith speaking. A Greek or a Gentile person who had no covenant with God, had no family rights or privileges, really in actuality no right to approach God and expect Him to do something for her. Are you seeing this? Because she was not of Israel. Okay. And Jesus pointed that out to her. But she said unto Him, I like this. There are those that, today that would have you believe that if this is your problem in life, you've got to bear that cross. It's just got to be that way for the rest of your life and that's all it is, the way it is. And that's how they teach it. And it's sad to say in some cases, even if their child had an unclean spirit, they might even think that. Well, that's just the way the person is and you're just going to have to put up with it for the rest of your life. Well... Jesus answered this woman and said to her, Look, I'm not here to help you. I'm here to help the Jews first. And she said, without being discouraged, without being frustrated, she said to him, Yes, Lord. In other words, I know I'm not of the Abrahamic covenant. 
I know I'm not of the family of God. I know I am not under the protective covering of your grace. I know I have really no right to approach the throne on that basis. There's no way I can come to you and expect you to help me because of being a part of the bloodline of Jesus Christ. I know that I can't do that. Yes, Lord, I know that. But then she adds a but. Yet, or but, the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. She's talking to Jesus Christ, the Immaculate Son of God. She points out to Him a fact that He cannot turn away from. I may not belong to Israel. I am not a part of the covenant of God. I don't belong to the family. I have no family rights. I have no family privileges. But I am a human being. I don't want their bread. I'm not asking to take anything away from them. All I want is the crumb that falls on the floor that the dogs are allowed to eat. That's all I want. That's all I want. In other words, she came on the lowest base human right. That's all. I'm a human being on this earth. You serve the Most High God. Give me the crumb. That's all I want. Don't want the loaf. He said unto her, I want you to see this carefully. He said unto her in verse 29, For this saying, or for your words... For your words, for this saying, go thy way, the devil is gone out of your daughter. And when she was come to her, her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. For what saying did the devil leave her daughter? Who's saying? Jesus is saying? Who's saying? Whose words? Her words. Now I want you to see that this is, this is faith. I want you to see this. This is Mark's account. But go on over to Matthew chapter 15. Look at Matthew 15. It's recorded there also. Let's pick it up from verse 25. Matthew 15, 25. Then came she, same woman, same incident, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. That's, that's true. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Great. Do you know that there's only two times that it's recorded in the Bible that Jesus said, Great is thy faith to anyone? And this woman was not even of the house of Israel. She really didn't have as much to work with to develop faith as the other ones did. But I want you to see the tenacity of this woman's faith. Her daughter had an unclean spirit. Her daughter was possessed of the devil. She wanted freedom for her daughter. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who's possessed or even obsessed of the devil. There is a supernatural power that they draw from, my brother and sister, that are absolutely wear you out. They can stay up all day long. They can stay up all night long. They can go three days without any sleep. They'll call you on the phone if, if they're in the same household with you. They'll talk to you. They'll, I mean, they'll just go and 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 go. I have an uncle who's been through this. He's been in, in mental institutions and that sort of thing. I'll tell you something right now. They operate on a power that's beyond human scope. Can you imagine what this woman's life must have been like? Seeing her child with an unclean spirit. And God only knows, you know, what lifestyle she was living and encountering. But she was driven and taken by this Spirit. And overcome by this Spirit. And she wanted freedom. 
And so when Jesus says, it's not proper for me to help you, I've got to help the children of Israel first. And she said, I don't want the children's loaf. All I want is the crumb. That's all I'm asking from you. He could not deny her. For those words, he could not deny her. He said, for your words, for this saying, for what you said, the devil's gone out of thy daughter. And look at here, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto you, even as... It doesn't even say as God wills. As you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. There is only another time in the Bible. I want you to see that with me in Matthew 8 before we close here. Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus told someone that they had great faith. He came down from the mountain in verse 1. He came to a leper. A leper came to him beseeching him saying, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Jesus put forth his hand and said to him, I will be thou made whole. He was immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus told him, go and see, the, go thy ways. See thou tell no man, but, but show thyself unto the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And then in verse 5, when he was entered into Comparatum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, My servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. I mean, if, if you would have walked up to Jesus, if you could walk up to Him right now and say, you know, I live at such and such a place and my servant or my son or my daughter is lying at home, grievously tormented, would you please come, you know? Jesus, before you even ask, says, I will come and heal Him. The man stops right there and says, nah. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak the word only. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. I want you to notice that what these people believed from their heart and expressed with their mouth was the highest form of faith that you can express toward God. Jesus said to this man also, great is thy faith. And he said that he's not found this kind of faith in all of Israel. You talk about a compliment. Let's read on. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth. Do you see how this man understands authority and how he understands the use of words? If you're a parent out there, you know well what I mean. If you tell your child, do this, you expect your child to do that. And when the child does not do what you say to do, you feel violated. You feel that's rebellion. They're not acting as I would have them to act. Isn't that true? And you can't let it go on because then your, your words lose their authority in your child's life. And that's important for us to understand. And so we want to speak words. And those words, we want to have effect upon whoever or whatever. This man says, I have men under me. And when I say to a man, go, he goeth. And if I say to a man, come, he cometh. And if I say to my servant, doeth this, he doeth it. That's what he said. So in other words, I understand the principle of authority and faith. I understand the power of words. And so he tells this to Jesus. So Lord, I don't need you to come over my house. Would you have done that? Or would you have called home and said, honey, Jesus is coming over, fix a cake. How many of you would have done that? Bake some lasagna, put in a pizza, Jesus is coming over. Wouldn't you have done that? Would you let that opportunity slip by when he just says, I'm coming over to your house? And the man says, now I don't need to bother you. I don't have to see you walk from point A to point B. My eyes don't have to be satisfied. I don't have to watch you touch, lay your hand upon my servant. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by feeling, not by tasting, touching, smelling. We don't walk by the sight of our five senses. We walk by faith in God. And so he told Jesus, I don't need to see you touch him. You don't have to make this effort to come on over. Why waste your time doing that? I know how words work. I know how authority works. If you just release the word from your mouth, 
Oh, beloved, get this. This is the highest type of faith in God. If you just release the word from your mouth, my servant shall be healed. So when Jesus heard it in verse 10, he marveled. He what? He marveled. You know why he's marveling again? The only two that he said had great faith, neither one of them was a Jew. (laughs) Did you hear that? The Jews had the means whereby to obtain faith, but they didn't believe it. The Gentiles didn't have that means whereby to obtain great faith in God, but yet they understood authority. And they understood something about the character and nature of God. And so they just just went inside themselves and brought up everything that they possibly could to demonstrate a faith in God. And in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, truly I'm saying to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus comes again, will He come and find us saying, I just can't do it. I don't know. I just can't barely get along in this life. It's just no good. Every time I turn around, you know, something is troubling me and there's a problem here, there's a problem there and all that. And I just don't know what I'm going to do about the situation. I don't know what I'm going to do about that problem. Murmur and complain and murmur and complain. And I just can't pay my bills and I'm always sick and I just can't, you know, seem to do this and seem to do... Is that what He's going to find on this earth when He comes? Or is He going to hear when He comes and splits those clouds of glory? Is he going to hear the blood-washed church saying, We can do all things through Christ who is our strength. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. With his traps I was healed, and my God supplies all my need according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is he going to hear that? That's what he wants to hear when he comes back to this earth. He wants to find faith. I have not found so great faith in all Israel... And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he saith unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed. Boy, get this. As thou hast believed. Can you see that? You believe with your heart, you say with your mouth, so be it unto thee. So be it. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Jesus never went over to his house. Jesus never laid his hand on his servant. Jesus did nothing but listen to what the man had to say. And he said the man had great faith. And so as you have believed, it's done. Beloved, what we believe and say is important. What we believe and say can make the difference between life and death in this life. There's no question about it. And more and more, I believe that truth is being revealed even to the medical field. And that's another sermon in itself. How people are beginning to see that the words that we speak even affect the cells of our bodies. God wants us to get a hold of this message, beloved. And God wants us to develop in it. He wants us to begin speaking His Word with belief from the heart that He is there watching over it, there to perform it, and there to make it good. And the ability to bring it to pass is not within ourselves, but it's within Him. And you know... You remember Mary, the mother of Jesus. When she was told of an angel that she would conceive in her womb, Jesus Christ Himself. Those very words that defy biological laws, she did not war with, neither did she struggle with. As a matter of fact, all she asked was a very legitimate question. How can this happen to me, seeing that I've never been with a man? That's a pretty legitimate question for a young lady to ask, wouldn't you say? How can I become pregnant seeing that I have never known a man? And the angel said to her that 
the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and that which is conceived of thee will be of the Holy Ghost. In other words, the Spirit of God would come upon her, and she would conceive within her womb the Son of God. We call it the Immaculate Conception. Now, that woman could have said, she was about a 15-year-old girl, she could have said, this is impossible. You know, let, let's sit down, Gabriel. I want to get my Biology One book out. Let's sit down and let's discuss this. Now, I understand, you know, maybe you think you know everything about human life, but you're just an angel. We have to talk about this, and let's open up the book. It's called The Birds and the Bees. And let's go over this thing. Let's read it carefully. And then you answer my question. She could have been like that. She could have defied the angel like Zacharias did. She could have said, this is an impossibility. But did those words leave her lips? No. That woman is an example of faith to every single one of us today. That young person, she stood there before an angel of God and she said, it doesn't matter what my mind says. It doesn't matter what human reasoning says. Be it unto me according unto your word. For with God, all things are possible. You talk about defying natural laws. A burning, fiery furnace. Conception without knowing a man. Beloved, this is what God is all about. He's got a miracles. And we get miracles by believing in our heart. And saying with our mouth what God says about us. And if you believe it and say it, as Jesus said, you will have whatsoever you say. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.